Welcome to the Nashville Vineyard Podcast. For more information, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Good morning and happy Sunday. My name is Benjamin and I'm one of the house church pastors here at Nashville Vineyard. Really excited to be able to talk to you about the fourth chapter of John today. Um, It's the woman at the well. It's a story we all know. I just want to give you a little background on it. We want to read through it and I just want to share some of the things from my life that helped me identify with this transaction of Jesus and the woman at the well. So I'm just going to read the text so that we can all be on the same page. I am reading out of the Passion Translation, forgive me, uh, but I really like it. So let's just start off at the first verse of chapter 4. Soon the news reached the Jewish religious leaders known as the Pharisees that Jesus was drawing greater crowds of followers coming to be baptized than John. Although Jesus didn't baptize but he had his disciples baptize the people. Jesus heard what was being said and abruptly left Judea and returned to the province of Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaritan territory. Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph long ago. Wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. Surprised, she said, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket and this well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it himself, along with his children and livestock? Jesus answered, If you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. The woman replied, let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water. Jesus said, go get your husband and bring him back here. But I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, Jesus said, for you've been married five times and now you're living with a man who's not your husband. You've told the truth. The woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me this. Why do our fathers worship God here on this nearby mountain, but your people teach that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship? Which is right? Jesus responded, Believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the Father on a mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your people don't really know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of our experience, for it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit, 
and he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. The woman said, this is also confusing, but I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I am the one you're looking for. At that moment, the disciples returned and were stunned to see Jesus speaking with the Samaritan woman. Yet none of them dared to ask him why or what they were discussing. All at once, the woman dropped her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the anointed one we've been waiting for. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. Guys, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for revealing yourself to us through vulnerability and compassion. Thank you for seeing who we are even when we can't. Thank you for looking past religious dogma. Thank you for cutting right through it. Thank you for going out of your way to encounter us. Thank you for entering territory that we're afraid to enter just for the chance of friendship. I ask you to open our hearts and to open our eyes so that we can receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So a little bit of backstory. <clears throat> they didn't give me this when I was in children's church as a kid on the felt board. Um, it would have just required a lot of cutouts to really throw all this together. But backstory on Jews versus Samaritans. Um, the Jews were taken into Babylonian captivity. So they, they were exiled. And the Samaritans for a while were uh, occupied by Assyria. So they were captive by the Assyrians. So these two groups of people who at one time were kind of in the same camp, they were separated from each other. And in that time, things happened which led them to believe differently. The Samaritans thought that the Jews came out of Babylon and had all these new books and this, this new teaching. And they, they thought they were holding to what's true. And, you know, the, the Jews thought God was with us the whole time and we have the real truth. So you've got these two different camps or two different schools of thought. And they're, they're so hostile to each other that, you know, they teach that the other one is wrong. And in order to protect yourself from defilement, you, you can't look at them. You can't talk to them. Um, definitely like no contact with them. Don't even go into their territory. So... This is a little backstory on that hostility of why it's just kind of weird that a, a Jew and a Samaritan would interact with each other. Um, another thought, he said at Jacob's well. So not to get too, you know, prophetic here, but we are talking about Jesus. Jacob, when we read about Jacob, we know that he, he's like capital S striving. 
everything Jacob did, he strived. Um, he had a pattern of doing whatever it took in order for him to get what he thought he deserved or what he wanted. Um, you know, he stole the blessing or he, you know, manipulated his brother out of giving the blessing to him. Um, he worked for years in order to get the thing that he wanted. So it's almost like the system of striving, Jesus is coming to stand in between that and us. I think it's really interesting that the passage starts off where they're talking about numbers. They're talking about something that we tend to really care about is how many people are coming, who's watching me, how many people are following me on Instagram, what's my account like? And that's the word going around is that Jesus is drawing bigger crowds than John. Um, Jesus leaves that. He just exits. He makes his way to Galilee. And in that, he goes through Samaritan territory. I think most Jews would have not gone through the Samaritan territory. They would have taken the long way around. But Jesus, right through it. The next thing that happens is he descends his he sends his disciples into the village to buy food because it's afternoon. I wonder if he had an, an inclination or if he had a prompting from his father that he was about to do something that they might not have been able to understand. So he sends them away to go get food and he's there alone and he meets this Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus says to her, Give me a drink of water. Instantly, there's a paradigm cutting. There's, it's, it's, it's separated, it's, it's, it's shattered. He has spoken to a Samaritan woman. A man alone has spoken to a, a Samaritan woman alone in a public place. She's at the well, she's coming to get water, and it's in the middle of the day. She's surprised and says, why would you, a Jewish man, ask me for water? Jesus says, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. I just want to take a couple of minutes and, and <clears throat> tell you a story about me and what I think about what I feel during this woman coming out in the middle of the day situation. It would seem that most of the people would come in the morning or maybe in the evening to get their water. She chooses to come in the middle of the day. I was a teenager and I got through a, a series of, of very bad choices. I started using drugs and um, at the time I was the worship leader for our youth group. This youth group was, man, it was like the one thing in my life at that time that wasn't painful. Um, I looked forward to it every week. Um, 
I mean, I loved it. It's, it's where I really was first encountering God in my life. Um, most of my, my friends were a part of this youth group. And I was having a lot of trouble at home. And the one way that I could be disciplined at that time in my life was I was not allowed to go to youth group. Um, I decided to start using drugs. I decided to rebrand myself. Um, I was choosing an answer in something that I could touch, something that I could be in charge of, I could be in control of. And in that process, I, I lost myself in it. I, um, I ended up getting caught by people at the church. I was at a spring break and a lot of the high schools in the area would go to the same beach. And while I was there, there were some people from the youth group who were at some of the parties I was at. And they were partying too, but they were probably very disappointed to see me there. And word got back to the pastor of this youth group that I was at the party and I was partying. Um, he called me in his office one day to ask me if I knew anything about it, I lied. Um, they asked me to, to step down and told me they no longer really needed me there. You know, I'm a teenager. I, I didn't really know how to process what was happening, but I remember that night at youth group, cause I was already there. I went in and everybody looked at me differently. A lot of the people that would normally come up and speak to me that would um, ask me how my week was or make jokes with me and they avoided me like the plague. They didn't want to speak to me. They didn't want to look at me. They didn't want to be associating with me. They didn't want my defilement to get on them. I knew that you know, this is my last year of high school and I'm gonna graduate and I'm gonna go to this Christian college that I really wanted to go to. Um, a lot of my, the guys I looked up to, even musically, I was going into the music program there and they had a really amazing worship team and I was gonna be on that. And if I could just make it to that college with those people, I'd get my life right. And I'd, I'd get on track. Um, I go to this college and I'm trying. I'm trying to follow the Lord. I'm finally kind of on my own as much as that can happen your freshman year in college. Um, I'm away from a town that I really didn't enjoy living in. Um, I'm able to play music on a worship team. And I'd gone home one weekend and, you know, I ended up at a party and I made some bad decisions. And I went back to college afterwards and I felt really bad. And there was a guy there who was, I looked up to him and he, he had offered to disciple me and I'd never really had that before. And I remember calling him from the lobby of the dorm I lived in and talking to him. And I was just confessing that I'd gone back home and I'd made some bad decisions at a party. And I just wanted to fess up. Someone overheard that conversation and told it to the Dean of Students. 
A couple days later, I was invited into the staff lunchroom during lunch. And the Dean of Students, the Dean of Administration was there and they confronted me about this. One of them came to me and just, Benjamin, we, I was an alcoholic for 30 years and I know what you're going through and we just wanna help you. Will you let us help you? Did you do this? We wanna get you help. And I remember wanting to have acceptance, wanting to be loved. I remember not wanting to deal with this anymore. I remember wanting victory, wanting freedom, wanting to just be one in the room. I wanted to have fellowship and friendship and intimacy and the things that I didn't feel my life had. And I knew that drugs and alcohol weren't giving it to me. And I knew it could be found in Jesus. And I told those, those men, yes, I did this. Yes, I want your help. Immediately they told me they were kicking me out of school. That um, I couldn't stay anymore. But if I went to this program, if I completed some sort of um, therapy or rehabilitation that, that I could come back second semester on the same scholarship. But I had to leave that day. I couldn't even stay that night. I remember calling my parents to let them know what happened. I had a friend who was willing to drive me halfway to where they lived and they would drive the other half and pick me up. There were so many people that I couldn't even tell what had happened to, I just had to leave. I remember coming back the second semester, that next semester, and all of my friends, all of the people I looked up to, all of these people that I knew were gonna help me really follow Jesus would not associate with me, would not speak to me. If I engaged with them, it was very cold, very calloused, very insincere. At this point, I knew what it felt like to be judged. I knew what it felt like to be an outcast. Um, it's really lonely. It's really painful. It gives birth to so much doubt. I knew that day that if that's Christianity, I didn't want any part of it. And the next few years of my life were just a mess. Like I, I got so far into drugs. Um, I didn't know that if there was gonna be any coming back. So I can identify with wanting to avoid places where I'm gonna be seen by the people that knew me. I can imagine that this woman at the well knew what it feels like to be judged. She knew what it felt like for people to tell her why she should stop living the way she's living, for religious people to quote scripture to her that she should just adhere to. I can imagine what it felt like for her to see their, the lives these people are living and the hypocrisy that they're walking in and just question everything. I can imagine why I would choose to go to a well in the middle of the day rather than in the morning or in the evening when everyone else is gonna be there. 
So we've got Jesus who's just sitting at this well waiting on her. And he asks her for a drink. A Jewish man is asking a Samaritan woman for a drink. It seems small, but if I look at it through a, per, a, a perspective or a lens where what he's doing is he's giving her purpose. He's reminding her that she can be of help to people, that there's something that people could depend on her for, that um, she has worth. Ma'am, could you give me a drink? Could you refresh me? I think Jesus is doing a lot more than trying to get a sip of water. I think he's he's offering friendship. He's offering intimacy. He's even giving his gospel message. If you would refresh me through your friendship, through your intimacy, I will give you living water. So he asked her for a drink and she says, uh, why would you ask me for water? Jesus says, if you only knew who I am and the gift of God, you'd ask me for a drink and I'd give you living water. The woman replied, sir, you don't have a bucket. This well is deep. Where do you find living water? Do you really think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself? And, and I just look at that as, I always have questions. I'm, I'm always confused when I encounter Jesus, when he meets me in a place of my shame, of my pain, when he meets me in the least likely of places and he offers me himself, he offers friendship, I'm confused. I have questions, it doesn't compute. Jesus tells her, if you drink from Jacob's well, you're gonna be thirsty again. But if you drink of the water that I give you, you'll be forever satisfied. The water I give you becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. And I think about the Jacob's well. I think about the striving. I think about the manipulation. I think about the human effort, the, what I had to do in order for me to satisfy myself, in order to provide my own satisfaction. It always left me more thirsty. I had to come back to that well. Jesus is offering something different here. He's saying, I'm offering you something that will break your striving. You will no longer have to provide for yourself. You won't have to be responsible for your own happiness. You won't have to be responsible for your own joy, for um, fitting in, for feeling loved, for feeling accepted. I'm going to give you something that will complete you. The woman says, let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come back here to draw water. So some years later in my story, I met a man named Sam. He was much older than I was, but he offered me something I didn't have. He offered me friendship, he offered me fellowship. When I talked to Sam, I, I knew that he could see me, I knew that he, he understood me and I knew that he had something I didn't have. He had peace. He offered me what he had and I didn't understand it, but I wanted it. 
And when this woman says, let me drink that water so I won't be thirsty again, I know that there's, she's not tracking with Jesus. She doesn't understand what he's saying, but she's in such a desperate place that she no longer wants what she has. She's recognized the, the futility of, of her way. She's recognized that this, this can't continue forever. I don't know how long I can keep up with this. If you've got something better, I'll take it. Don't know what it is, but I'll take it. Jesus says, go get your husband and bring him back here. She says, I'm not married. Jesus says, that's true. You've been married five times and now you're living with a man who's not your husband. You've told the truth. So in this word of knowledge interaction where Jesus seems to know information about her that she hasn't yet disclosed to him, he is crossing over a barrier. He's, he's, he's kind of breaking through what is normally revealed through relational equity with someone or, or you know, years or months of interaction where someone finally trusts you enough to tell you what's really going on. And the difference here is he's leading with compassion. He's leading with tenderness. He's already offered himself to her. He's already offered the exchange of, if you will refresh me with your friendship, I will refresh you with my living water. He sees her. I think back to when I first felt seen. And there's, there's two times that really stick out to me. One night, I had parked my car in a graveyard because I didn't have anywhere else to sleep. I had been up for days and I just had to crash. And I was living in darkness. And I don't know why that night I felt like it, but I had this CD in my car of an old Christian band I used to listen to. And I just felt like I had to put it in. And I put it in and I remember listening to this song and the first lyrics, the first verse, something happened in that car. It's, it, this is not some conversion encounter moment where I came out a shining Christian. It's just where I knew God saw me. I felt the presence of God in my car. At the time I was contemplating suicide, I didn't know if I should keep going on. The things that I had to do in order to get the things that I needed to continue life that I'd been living it, were getting out of hand. I was almost at a place if I couldn't pay that price anymore. And, and the Holy Spirit came to me in that moment. To follow with the storyline, he came into Samaritan territory and he sat down at my well. I'm going to get my drink at my well. And there he is in between me and the water I've been getting. He saw me. He saw me in my shame, in my pain, in my sin. And he didn't move away. He didn't judge me. He didn't tell me how I should behave instead. He didn't tell me what I should do, what verses I should follow in order to have a better life. He just sat there in between me and my well and offered me friendship. 
I think about when this man Sam did that to me. I was making horrible decisions, but I knew I couldn't go on anymore. And Sam knew the life I was living. He knew. I mean, you could look at me and tell what I was doing and how often I was doing it. And Sam didn't feel the need to point out the error of my ways to me. He offered me his friendship, his fellowship. He offered me relationship. He gave me his number, told me I could call him anytime I needed to. He asked me to call him every day because he just wanted to know how my days are going. He gave me his time. He would meet me for lunch. He would give me things to read. He taught me how to pray. When Sam spoke to me about the things I was doing, he could speak them to me. He could. He understood why I was doing it. He understood the brokenness I was showing up at that well with. He understood the hurt, the pain that I carried. He knew that I was not a stranger to ridicule. When he spoke to me about the things that I was doing, it had a different effect than when I was in high school, when I was in college, when the other Christians I knew would when they said it, it hurt, it cut, it stabbed me. They would place yokes on me that just made what I was carrying even that much heavier. When Sam did it, it was more like when Jesus did it. It wasn't listing these things that he's holding against me that I've got to fix in order to have him. He's just saying, I see your hurt. I see your pain. Here I am. So when that happens, there's confusion. I was confused by this guy, Sam. I was also confused that night God showed up in my car because I was kind of taught, I was raised that this doesn't happen. We're not, um, he doesn't go to dirty places. He doesn't, you've got to abstain from the appearance of evil. These were the things that the, the church I grew up in taught me. So there's confusion. So the woman says, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why do our fathers worship God here on this mountain? Your people teach that Jerusalem is the place to do it. Which is right? Which denomination is right? Which, um, which way to, who do I follow here? I, I want to know that there's an answer. I mean, clearly there is one. I've seen all of these different things inside of the church and I'm just a little confused on where to go. I think Jesus hears what she's asking and he says, it's not about where, it's not about a mountain or a town. It's about your heart. We, wor we worship in spirit and truth. The time has come. She's confused by this. She says, I, I know that the anointed one is coming. He's the Messiah. When he comes, he'll tell us everything we need to know. And just like that night when I was sitting in the graveyard and I put that CD in, somewhere deep inside, even though I was hurt by the church, even though that I could remember the, the painful things people said about me in my college years, I had a hope that a Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he'll tell me everything. You know, there is a, a happier end to my story. There, there was a day when 
I heard him say, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here. You don't have to strive anymore. You don't have to fix yourself. You don't have to jump through hoops in order to get something. All you have to do is be in relationship with me. There's a significance to the fact that Jesus was at a well. The well in Old Testament, it represented intimacy. It represented covenant. It represented relationship. I mean, Abraham sent his servant to a well in order to find a wife for his son. The instruction was go to the well and sit and say, give me something to drink. And the one who responds well, that's the one. Jacob and his wife were at a well. Moses and his wife were at a well. I'm, I'm wondering, is did this woman, did any of that cross her mind when Jesus said, give me a drink? Did, was she taken back to when she was a child and she heard stories on her felt board about uh, the well, about Abraham and Jacob and Moses? Did it, could she see that there was some, an invitation for intimacy with Jesus? So I remember when I said yes to that invitation, when I knew that Jesus knew everything that I had done, I was so afraid, I was so lost in who I, who I was afraid I was. I had identified myself by the decisions I had made, by my failures, by my track record. Jesus spoke something different to me. Jesus gave me purpose. He reminded me that I was worth something. I was worth his time. I was worth the journey. He desired my friendship. He wanted me to refresh him with the water of my life. And he would give me living water deep inside that would flow outward. He gave me love and love would come out of me. He gave me compassion and compassion would come out of me. He gave me hope and hope would come out of me. He forgave me and I would forgive. That was the exchange he offered me at my well. That's the exchange he offered her at her well. So he gives her this water that won't run out. He breaks the striving of man. He, he stops the flow of Jacob's well and he becomes the living water in between me and my best efforts to provide satisfaction for myself. Immediately, her response was to drop her jug of water, to leave her striving at the well run into town and tell the very people who made fun of her, who disowned her, who treated her as an outcast, to tell them about Jesus. When we have that encounter, the natural reaction is to tell somebody else. When we've been given a gift that great, the natural reaction is to give it to somebody else. When I get something I really enjoy, I want to share it with my friends. When I realize that I've been given something that I can't handle by myself, 
when I see that it was freely given to me, I just want to give it away. So maybe this morning you're, you're resonating with feeling a little outcast. Maybe something I said is reminding you of something you felt. Maybe we at the church have not done a great job of offering you friendship and fellowship, of offering you vulnerable intimacy, of saying, I make myself available to you and you don't have to do anything in order to get it. Maybe you've been hurt by our judgment. Maybe we've said things to you. We've talked about your conditions. We've talked about things you've done. But it hasn't come from a place of love. It hasn't come from a place of compassion. It's not restoration that we're after. Today we have the opportunity to meet Jesus at the well, to drop our striving, to stop trying to fix ourselves, and to receive the gift, which is living water, that will not run dry. Jesus does satisfy. His water increases my thirst for more of his water and his water doesn't run out. It is not a, uh, a scarce commodity. It is, a, it is abundant fruit. I can't buy it and I can't earn it. All I have to do is receive it. All I have to do is say, yeah, I'm actually not married. All I have to do is speak the truth of my situation to Jesus. All I have to do is confess that, yeah, I'm not living right. I'm not making the right decisions. And that's enough for him to offer me restoration. And maybe it's time for us to do what Jesus was showing us we can do here which is offer that to other people. Maybe it's time for us to sit at the well, for us to offer ourselves to somebody else, for us to be willing to disciple them and to not be afraid of their condition, to not be afraid of if their sin is gonna get on me, but knowing that that living water is gonna get on them. Maybe that's the position we're in today. I just want to close in prayer. I just, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would see the broken right now, that they would feel known by you, that they would realize you see their pain, you see their struggles, and you know who they are, not just what they do. I ask that you would open their ears so that they can hear you call them by their name, not by their sin. That they would hear the invitation to take the drink of living water. Holy Spirit, for those that are in the position to sit at the well, would you remind them of what Jesus did, of the vulnerability and transparency that he exemplified in his interaction with this woman that he went against what religion says, that he wasn't concerned what the church would think about his decision. 
that he went out of his way to meet a broken person. Just teach us to see the way that you see. Give us living water today. We don't want to be thirsty again. And Holy Spirit, help us drop our jugs of striving. And let us run to everybody we know and tell them about the man we met who told us everything we've ever done. That he's the Messiah we've been waiting on. Amen. Church, thank you for letting me speak to you this morning and just share these thoughts. I do encourage you to go to the website if you're a new believer and sign up for our new believers class. The rest of you guys, we'll see you at House Church. For all upcoming events, more information about the Nashville Vineyard Church, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day.